0: Hello, gorgeous friends. Welcome to the Embracing Enough podcast. You know, I've always said that one thing is for sure, and that's that women and girls have some incredible stories to tell. And that's what we do here. We share our stories in the hopes that we'll allow others to feel seen, heard, and hopefully less alone. This is your host, Dina Skippa, founder of Enough Labs, and I am so excited that you're here. And this is is our third season. You know, when I started out this podcasting journey, I had no idea where it was gonna go. But here we are having some much needed conversations around our enoughness, our confidence, and how to own our truth. This season, we're coming together to acknowledge what we've been through and to own the story powerfully without shame and declare that we want more for ourselves. So if you're just joining, welcome. And here's some deets about me. I'm an empowerment coach and a confidence coach, a motivational speaker, a gender equality advocate, and a goal-crushing boss. I love all things dance and even more things travel. I love to laugh. And I've realized that I have a very low tolerance for surface conversation. So it's gonna get real over here. But the hope is that you always walk away with something to help you on your journey. And listen, I've been on my own journey in embracing my enoughness for a very long time. I've had to unlearn the toxic narratives that have taught me to abandon myself for far too long. And my obsession with unlearning? Well, we're gonna be focused on that in season three. And it comes from a desire to connect with you in a deeper, more honest way. To reclaim the fire that we know is living inside of each of us, rather than hyper-focusing on the things within ourselves that we're told we need to fix. Each week, either myself or another incredible guest, will we'll be dropping gems on all things confidence, empowered action, and what we've been consciously unlearning to show up as our fullest selves. The goal is to create space for meaningful, authentic conversation, all while embodying the essence of joy, abundance, and permission every step of the way, and to help you align even closer with your truth. Consider me your personal coach throughout these episodes, your confidant, your ally, and most importantly, your sister friend. Are you ready? Let's get started. All right, we are back with another exciting episode of Embracing Enough, the podcast brought to you by Enough Labs. It's your girl Dina and I am with someone who I am so excited to share the mic with today. This is a woman who, let me just back up a second. (laughs) This woman who we are about to have a conversation with, we met in the wild, wildest of ways. When I walked up to her in person, cause you know, in this era of time, we meet people on Zooms and you form a certain opinion of them and then you meet them in real life. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> this is Khalilah Hudson. We met in a mastermind hosted by April Franks. We are both entrepreneurs, badass women with a vision on our hearts bold audacious enough and crazy enough to go after it and i am so excited that she has said yes to sitting down with us here on the embracing enough podcast to let us know her story kalila hudson welcome
1: thank you thank you and i appreciate everybody listening i first of all i want to tell them that they are enough My name is Kalila Hudson. I am a public speaking coach for women. I teach them how to live authentically and speak authentically on stage and on social media. And um, that's about it for now. And I'll Mm. fill you in later.
0: Amazing. So as I mentioned, Kalila and I met in this mastermind, saw her in person in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, where we were all coming together and masterminding and having great conversations about our work. And then she blew me away because she took the stage and shared her story and what i feel kalila when i am with you whether it be on a zoom or in person or you know at a bar late night drinking and dancing on tables <laughs> that you allow people to feel fully seen and feel safe and I think that has everything to do with who you are and your story. And so like I told you before we started recording, this podcast is all about women sharing their stories. So let's start there. Who's Kalila?
1: Kalila is a 40 year old wife and mother and a person that is constantly trying to become better and better every day. Um, not only with myself, but in serving my clients. Every person who I come in front of, I really want them to f- feel seen, heard, and valued, and that is not in business. That's just the cashier at the register. Um, I own K-HUD coaching, and the reason why I do it is because I feel like I am built,
0: and I was born to serve others. Um, and that's that's pretty much who I am. Mm. It's what you do, but it's also who you are.
1: Yeah, I mean, since I was a child, Mm -hmm. I was giving away my lunch money to kids who couldn't afford it.
0: Oh my God, me too. (laughs)
1: Yes, so I've always been a person of service and I know no matter what I will do, it will be in the service industry till the day I die.
0: Mm -hmm. That's what I know for sure. Oprah asks,
1: what do you know for sure? That's what I know for sure. Yeah.
0: so I know you live in California now. Did you grow up in California?
1: Yes, I was born in California. I lived in Texas in college. I went to I went to college in Texas for about a year. And then I came back because I missed home. And you know, I was just a teenager who only cared about uh, instant gratification, like seeing their friends. Of course. <laughs> so I left Texas and came to California and I've been here, you know, for thirty nine years.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And prior to K HUD coaching, what what were you working on? What what did you do?
1: Business wise, I well, business wise I actually had a few businesses. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um I actually had a few businesses. Um I owned a skincare line called Transcendity, Transcend into Serenity. Um, selling candles that you could pour out on your skin and massage into your skin. But I also work in the. I've also worked in the social working industry for 11 years, dealing with people who were, you know, have extreme barriers, poverty, homelessness, substance abuse, mental, um, mental illness, domestic violence, which is actually makes me a better coach. Because as we were saying earlier, when I was talking to you before the podcast started, with my clients, there is nothing I haven't heard, so there's nothing to be embarrassed about, and. What the main focus is, is just that we're trying to be better than we were the day before, all of us. So, yeah.
0: So, I had no idea that you had all of these other, you know, (laughs) dabbling in other entrepreneurial pursuits. How amazing. And then also with your incredible career in social work. I mean, all of it. Like, I always think back to like, our stories are so layered. And as Aprielle shares a lot, I mean, we get to leverage it all because it all is part of our story, right? Absolutely. And I just feel like, well, when women come to you to work with you, what do you find as being like the number one thing that they struggle with?
1: Perfectionism and people pleasing. Okay. Especially, I mean, I work primarily with women, but I, I think I even see it in myself. I think it's something that we all struggle mm-hmm. with. Um, But yeah, that's the number one thing. People-pleasing and perfectionism, number
0: one. So even before you step on stage or turn that camera on for social media, I mean, that that nasty little gremlin of perfectionism, a lot of times, I mean, I've talked about this very openly of how much it wreaks havoc, of how much it tries to grab the steering wheel. (laughs) And why do you think, I mean, and I don't mean to only make this about women, but Embracing Enough, and Enough Labs, we speak mainly to women and girls. And why do you think that we, as women, struggle with perfectionism more so?
1: I think because we've never had any other sort of expectations on us other than to be perfect. You know, other than to not make any waves, Mm -hmm. not say anything that's gonna hurt anybody's feelings, to be polite, To use a correct language, to always dress perfectly Mm -hmm. and look perfectly, and have your hair okay, and no dirt on your clothes, and you know, and so it's where the the deck is stacked against us, honestly, from the moment that we're born, Mm -hmm. and they're the doctor tells us it's a girl. You know, I think boys are allowed to make a lot of mistakes, and girls are pressure is put on us to accept the mistakes. Well, they're just a boy. Well, they're not as mature as you. And so we always have to meet somebody else's standards, but no one has to meet ours. So we're always expected just to be perfect and take everything and deal with it
0: politely with a smile. Less grace is afforded. Yes,
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And then I feel like there's this experience of where women internalize those expectations, the conditions in which our behavior is measured like you mentioned you know being accommodating being pleasing making sure everything is just so i I personally think it's paralyzing
1: yes i speak from
0: personal experience where you feel like you can have these moments where you know you have something to say but you get tripped up with well how do i say it you get into these existential spirals of Do I even know who I am? Have I been performing this whole time? There's just so many things that come into play. What do you think is, like for someone who comes to you and wants to work with you, what would you say is the first step in kind of debunking or disarming the perfectionism gremlin?
1: First of all, I want them. I ask them to actually articulate what does perfect look like to you. Mm. So when you ask someone what perfect looks like to them, they never have an answer. So how are you going to meet that standard? The standard that you don't even you don't even know where the bar is, (laughs) and no matter what, you can always find something wrong (laughs) with whatever it is that you're doing. So one thing that I always say, and what also helps me and liberated me was to be okay with 80% or B minus work. B minus work is good enough. That way you're not stuck in analysis paralysis. Well, I, you know, cause I used to spend three hours focused on font. Why? Is that gonna change how someone, how someone's gonna be impacted by the words I'm using or something I posted on social media? No. So we need to just put those little things that really don't matter behind us mm. on the back burner and then we just allow ourselves to learn with time and get better and better with time mm-hmm. but just get it out get whatever you're going to get out sometimes we may say things that we don't articulate the way that we should and that's fine too if you hurt somebody's feelings just apologize, and you know better for the next time because that's life
0: mm. the ways in which we should show up these conditions that are that we internalize or that we place on ourselves i find that they not only are are like analysis paralysis or make you feel stifled like it actually can stop the words from coming out so how do you yeah. what do you think about just your overall experience both personally you know with our conversations and with the women that you work with Um, around just using your voice. What do you find comes up for people in general too? Like why using your voice can be such a struggle?
1: Yeah, because people pleasing will will keep you silent because especially when it comes to public speaking or just showing up, you're constantly afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. And a lot of the times you're not advocating for yourself because you don't wanna hurt someone's feelings. Mm -hmm. You're not speaking what your true opinion is about something because you don't wanna hurt people's feelings. And that really, when I first showed up on social media, it stifled my creativity because I'm gonna offend somebody. But what what we know for sure, going back to Oprah, no matter what comes out of your mouth, someone will be offended. So just accept that and say what's on your spirit, what's on your heart, and what you believe. That's the only way, and just being comfortable with knowing that you might say things that might hurt someone's feelings, and they might even be in your family. But just because you're saying something that someone might take negatively, I want everybody to know it doesn't make you a bad person. And I think that's what we do. Well, I feel bad because this person's gonna be upset. Well, you can feel bad that they're upset, But you don't have to feel bad because you said it.
0: (laughs) My gosh. It's so crazy, right? When you think that someone, like someone can be so clear about their truth, but negotiate with themselves as to how appropriate it is to share. And this can be off the stage too. This can be in relationships, right? And I feel like, you know you're the public speaking expert but i mean just just the way that you show up on stage i think is also a reflection of how you show up off the stage do you agree yes, absolutely.
1: oh yeah i mean i try to be transparent and 100 percent everywhere i go all the time mm-hmm. and that's why sometimes i say i may say something that i'm like oh girl maybe you should have said that
0: <laughs>
1: but haven't we all right you know haven't we all that's life that's just being a human being but that doesn't mean that I'm going to walk around mute but I have heart and compassion for other people and my intention is never to hurt anybody's feelings so if I ever hurt anybody's feelings I will immediately apologize learn from that experience and just move forward Mm. and thank them for teaching me a lesson it doesn't make me a bad person it just makes us human
0: And you talk about having compassion for knowing your heart and where it's coming from. But I also, it echoes in me of, like just acknowledging how important it is to also have compassion with yourself. Khalil, you and I have been on this journey. We're both very much in the early stages of launching these bold visions of a company in entrepreneurship. And we both have very much a beginner's mindset. We're we're actively learning. But I think having compassion for yourself, having that level of awareness that you're doing the best you can without assigning yourself like this level of perfectionism that you have to reach in order for it to be good. I mean, I'm so struck by when you said, it was like, well, what does perfect mean? I don't know. I just can't reach it. It's just, I, I don't even know what it is, but I'm not there.
1: How <laughs> so, can you reach something you can't even define?
0: But it's so interesting because I I hear that a lot with my clients as well. And it stops you from actually needing to be vulnerable to put yourself out there.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's a perfect
0: hiding ground.
1: And even if things don't work out how you expect it, like, for instance, my first launch, I spent all, you know, doing the sales funnel and doing the ads and talking to people on social media and no one showed. Yep. And I can imagine, you know, sitting here and I'm sitting here in front of my camera. It's now, you know, whatever time it was, five o'clock, and no one's there. I could have used that as an opportunity just to say, oh, this is just so horrible. Why am I doing this? this you know, I don't know what I'm doing. But I said, look, I'm going to record this anyway. I'm going to work on my pitch. But look, I completed a sales funnel. I did ads for the first time. I showed up for myself and I believed in my dream. Those are wins whether anyone shows up or not. So sometimes even though things don't work out as expected, take that time to celebrate every win along the way that got you there. Right. Because you've learned a lesson and you're much more knowledgeable and empowered for the next time so then you can learn a new set of tools so then even more people will show up the next time it's okay yeah. it's not a failure it's a learning lesson
0: mm. I know I needed to hear that I know you probably will need to hear that sometime that you're going to have to listen back to this episode <laughs> okay let's keep it real <laughs> well, when I, I remember sitting there oh, watching
1: no. and I'm like I was, I was and even then I'm like acting like I'm talking to people and I say oh well, let me check and see if anybody's in the waiting room and I'm like no one's in the waiting room <laughs> but it's okay you know but I says you know keep on going give me two minutes to feel like oh man nobody showed up and then after that I'm moving forward what's next
0: (laughs) yeah what and I you know I'm I'm laughing right now because I can't wait for a couple years down the road and you and I both listen back to this episode and it's like wasn't that funny back then when we were still struggling or 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 having these thoughts, which of course I'm gonna have compassion for this version of myself in the future. I have compassion for myself now, I know you do too. And it's just so interesting around like what, what we tell ourselves we can't withstand. And then the experience of what you've just shared, being able to sit with yourself through the discomfort and, and acknowledge yourself for showing up in spite of how challenging it is.
1: Yeah.
0: Where you could have turned be away. For
1: it. Yeah. To be thankful for it because now that I've had this experience, it's I'm better equipped to help my clients who may be entrepreneurs and say, you know what, I've been where you've been and this is the lesson that I've learned. Mm -hmm. So maybe this happened to me so I could be a better vehicle to serve my clients and relay a message to them because one thing I say is turn your mess into your message. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was a mess. And now I'm on here on the podcast making it the message.
0: Listen, you guys need to understand. I sat next to Kalila in Playa del Carmen, Mexico Sat down next to her at this big table of people. Her and I were just like locked in. I felt like I was on a date. I'm like, I've never felt so understood. And
1: seen like no one's in the room. Like, like in no a one. Novel.
0: No one else is in the room but Kalila and I. I will never forget. I told her some of the most painful, embarrassing stuff. I'm sorry, mess that I had been through, and she was like, "Tell me more." And your ability to just hold people in their mess is something that I don't know if you like, you truly get <laughs> how magical that is. Like, do you get it?
1: No. <laughs> I mean, I, I just see everyone as a human being. Yeah. And I believe like what everyone has told us since we were little to treat people how you want to be treated. So if someone is opening up to me, I see that as something to be thankful for. I see it as something that's honorable, like, oh my gosh, they feel comfortable enough with me Mm -hmm. to open up. So I want to allow them to have that space to share because they're in this vulnerable moment. And why do I want to shut them down? Why do I want to look like something they're doing is strange Mm -hmm. or, because it's not. And everyone needs that person at different moments in their life. And I'm okay to be that person Mm -hmm. for somebody. Because I know, especially because I've worked with people who've experienced domestic violence, sometimes people have no one. Yeah. So see it as, as I'm just something, it's something I'm very grateful for.
0: Yeah. When people um, honor me with sharing their, their most deepest
1: secrets and their vulnerabilities, you know? And it helps me serve my clients. It, I just,
0: it's, a it's gift. just who I am. It's a like gift. Said, and it's just who I am. <laughs> well. I'm going to continue to press on to make sure that you are acutely aware of this gift.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So let's talk about taking center stage. Mm -hmm. You personally. We, before we hit record on this episode, you were talking to me about how you made the decision to jump into this mastermind, which was a scary decision all the way back in April. at April's conference in Dallas. And then talk to us about what was going on for you in terms of what you were manifesting for this year.
1: So I not only manifested speaking, I manifested being in the CEO collective. So in December, I had made a vision board and I keep my vision board. It's all based off of what I want to accomplish within this year. Not, you know, I don't know if I, I mean, look, I don't want to, Doubt myself, but I doubted that I was going to have some, you know, $100 million yacht. So (laughs) I'm going to keep it focused. Keep
0: it focused.
1: (laughs) On on the year. So, and I keep it on the ceiling right above my bed, on my side of the bed, so I can stare at it every morning and every night before I go to sleep. One of the things on there that I had in December was joining the CEO Collective, which is what I did. Another thing that I had on there was getting on the stage. I wasn't even in the collective yet, let alone being on the stage. And so to know that I had actually been rehearsing what I was going to talk about, I already knew my intro and outro music, and had already written an entire structure for what I was going to say before I was even in the collective. So I can only only imagine what's going through my mind as now I've joined the collective. I'm sitting in a meeting with April and she says will you be on the stage?
0: Oh my God. You hadn't even asked her. This was completely, yeah.
1: I did not ask her.
0: (laughs) So wild.
1: I didn't ask her and look, and this is how you know things are meant for you because I could have asked because I was preparing, but I was honestly like blocking myself by not even saying, hey April, you know, would you like me to, is it okay if I join the stage? I feel like I'd be a great addition. But somehow I was like, you're not ready yet. You're not as established yet, so you can't do it. But she asked me. But when she asked me, I was ready. <laughs> I was ready. I had done all the planning. So that's how even our mind gets in the way when we're talking about not being enough. Because I thought I wasn't enough, even though I had done all the planning, but then got on the stage and proved my doubts wrong. wrong. Manifested this whole thing. And And it just... Showed me okay, if you can manifest this, what else can you do, girl? Right? Well, I'm kind of like on a manifestation mission now.
0: <laughs> uh, listen, I will manifest that yacht with you as long as you'll save me a seat. I'm just saying, <laughs> my husband
1: already is because when I left to Mexico and he had to watch my daughter for a week with hair, all that
0: he's like, stuff. So he's next like, time I'm coming.
1: <laughs> no, he said, We're doing this for the yacht. Yes, <laughs> That's what he
0: said. yes. I love it. I love it. Bring in all the energy to manifest this. Exactly. But you weren't on the stage just once. You were on the stage twice.
1: Yes. Yes, I was. And being completely vulnerable and open. I am an open book. You know, I don't believe in trying to appear to be something that I'm not. Mm -hmm. To be a perfectionist and seem like I'm going to be the perfect person because that's what people want to buy from. You know, I can't subscribe to that because I'll put myself in an emotional straitjacket. So when I'm on the stage and I'm talking about, yeah, I'm in the room with, you know, women who are making six and seven figures. And I'm talking about, well, can I just make my first, you know, few thousand? (laughs) Imagine how that takes a toll, how that can affect your Mm -hmm. ego. But for me, I says, look, I have to be as transparent and authentic as possible in order to have growth and so yeah when i was on the stage i'm talking about all kinds of things that are going on with me emotionally and a lot of people connected with it yeah so i'm happy i did and i'll continue to do it
0: absolutely and i connected with it and those women who are making six and seven figures all were in the exact same boat that you and i were in of like just starting out so yes like that it's it's just so powerful around like the expectations that we place on ourselves you and i talk about this all the time of where we think we should be further along than what realistically where we can be. And, and, and again, within the context of hyper-focusing on everything that's not, as opposed to those things that are working well. Like giving yourself credit for showing up on a live that no one else showed up on, and you still talked about it, like there's thousands of people who are exactly. tuning in. I mean, that takes, it takes courage. But getting into this like conversation with yourself around, oh, I'm not good enough, or I'm not ready enough, or I'm not there yet, I mean, is is going to kill your creativity and kill your momentum like from jump?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, because what I understood was even though April asked me, I still need to remember what my grandma had taught me, mm-hmm. which is closed mouth, don't get fed. Mm. And if I want something i need to speak it into existence and take the steps to make it happen not just sit back you know because part of manifestation you still got to do the work i still had to join the collective yeah
0: it doesn't show up it doesn't it doesn't just show up like oh you wanted that boom there it is
1: (laughs) it doesn't work that way you do the work and i feel like god brings you halfway you know um but yeah and one thing about speaking is what I was shocked about is that the women who were making so much more than me were able to still take away things from what I said and find inspiration in that.
0: Of course they did.
1: You know, and say, you know, I really liked what you said about this. I really liked what you said about that. So then it, it further solidified um, my own talent and what I was capable of doing. Mm. So you be happy by putting yourself out there what what you'll find. Mm
0: -hmm. So one question I've actually always wanted to ask you is, what part of your story do you think has served as like the biggest catalyst for wanting to speak from stages?
1: (sighs) Um, Always feeling ignored. Mm. And not validated and because I grew up in a single-parent household my mom is a very good mother but she worked 12-hour shifts as a nurse and when you're a child you don't understand why you know you're being bullied at school you have nobody to talk to things are happening you know no there's no one to talk to you I was always isolated um, but then when I eventually found my voice and I could talk about that later I found that there were so many people around me who also felt the same way, who also felt ignored. I haven't heard not one person say that they weren't, they didn't feel like always felt like the outcast. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, everybody feels like the outcast. <laughs> and because I want to help women in general, because I feel like women are more empathetic, we are healers, we're nurturers. And if we can use our voices in a constructive, powerful way to help other people, not only that woman will be better off, but all of society will be better off. Because I come from a political background and I know, I mean, look at Washington, look around the world and women are out there making it happen and speaking up sometimes when men aren't. And that further solidifies my belief that women are the ones that should be at the forefront pushing it forward. And if you look all throughout history, especially American history, any major movement always had women. But you don't see that in history books, but women were always there. Like I talked about the I Have a Dream speech. Everybody knows it from Martin Luther King. But if a woman didn't yell out to him, tell them about the dream, we would have never known. Hmm. So, so that's why
0: I help I love it. And I think, I mean, I, I, I so deeply resonate with it on a personal level, because I think you and I have shared our our stories around feeling ignored and, and lacking that validation and what where we looked for it in other places. And I'm just curious, you know. <laughs> your eyes just bugged out when I said that. <laughs> what, what places were you looking for in? <laughs> Because I'll tell on myself.
1: I like, and I tell people, don't feel shame. I'm still hanging my head down.
0: <laughs> so I'll I'll tell on myself. I know when you are someone I, who has uh-huh. struggled to feel like, when you just have felt, gone through life having an experience where you feel ignored or just, just you know, overlooked, not validated, not acknowledged, you look for the validation in other places. You look for that uh-huh. dopamine hit. And so... I mean, I definitely was looking for it in relationships that did not match my energy. In shopping, in toxic friendships, in in overworking, overeating. I mean, just, it's it what I think it is connected to is is the relief. And when you feel a certain way about yourself, it's like you're you're body and your mind are looking to something to take that pain away Yeah. but we oftentimes are like looking to those things outside of ourselves when everything we need to feel remember it's not even feel whole remember that we're whole and enough is within
1: yeah for me I mean like I said I grew up in a, in a single parent household so I felt like I needed male validation mm-hmm and when you're coming, when for at least for me, if I'm coming from a background where I got very little attention from my father, then I'm seeking out attention from men. Yep. And what happens is you only just need a little bit for you to say, oh, he loves me. Ooh. Oh, he loves me. He that wants part. to be with me. Girl, if I would tell you some of these men I have came across, look, this is how bad my choices are. Three of the people who I could think back that I've been with are, have been to jail for either attempted murder or murder. This is the type of people that I'm talking about. I mean, now I can sit back and laugh at it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? He was crazy. <laughs> and I'm happy that I have my husband who is the complete opposite of any of that. But um, And that's what I mean. Like, So be very careful of who you're looking for validation mm-hmm. from because it may be people who are going to take advantage of you. Who may abuse you and are they're just giving you one percent of validation you know and that's good enough for you so you end up in these really horrible situations um just because he loves me right or your friends you know oh they love you and they'll use you and abuse you too you know so it's just and like you said it's all about looking within and mm-hmm. that's really where I found my power, it wasn't in men. It wasn't in the friends that were going to take advantage of my money or my, you know, whatever I had at the time that was had more than them. It was all in just honoring myself.
0: Mm. Again and, and again and at, again.
1: Therapy, therapy, people, please.
0: Therapy, <laughs> therapy. Yes. It's, it all boils down to like honoring yourself and honoring mm-hmm. your truth. And so I'm curious, you you kind of alluded to this earlier, but how how did you find your voice?
1: So um, I had told this story when I was speaking. So it's, I'll I'll cut it short. So it was, when I was in my early 20s, I was deeply in debt. Um, I had the IRS and the state of California garnishing my check at the same time. Um, I was working two full-time jobs and going to school full-time. I was about to get married, and my car was repossessed the day before my wedding day, Before, the day before I was about to drive off to Vegas. And, um, and I used money. I would spend so much money, more than what I had. And I would use money as an outlet, like you're talking about using things— um, to make you feel better yeah. but as we know and most people listening you go out and you buy that new car or whatever it is and you feel special for a day or two and then after that it wears away so then what do you have to do you got to go out and buy something else you got to go out and get your hair done the new makeup the new clothes or whatever you know and so that's what I would do but when I ran out of money I had no outlet so I would get under the covers and I would cry my phone would be off the hook with creditors most of the time I would go
0: days without having a friend call, but creditors would be calling me nonstop. I had so much anxiety. So reliable.
1: (laughs) You know, I had so much anxiety. And it grew up, I grew up hearing my grandma screaming, I don't have it, on the phone to her creditors. Sitting down, watching TV with my friends, and seeing the the TV getting cut off because my mom didn't pay the bill. Imagine how that feels as a teenager. (laughs) Or the lights getting cut off. But when I got in my twenties and my mom saw everything that I was going through, I didn't tell her I was hurting, but she knew she was determined to break the cycle and said, I'm going to take you to debtors anonymous, which is a 12 step program for people who debt compulsively. And when I got to those meetings, I was the youngest one there. Everybody there was professionals, doctors, lawyers, um, accountants, you know, running their own businesses and everything. And so I initially came in feeling like I don't have any value to add here. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to talk about my little story as, you know, a young 20 year old, (laughs) (laughs) these people are well seasoned. But when I started talking and sharing my truth at the lowest part of my life, they became inspired. And I was like, okay, if I can inspire these people, then maybe my voice does have value. So then I started, they started inviting me to other meetings all throughout Southern California. So then I started speaking in meetings all around Southern California. And then I joined the board of debtors anonymous. I started doing workshops and not only dealing with debt because debt is only any, 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 if you know anyone who's ever had been addicted to any substances, anybody in your family, or maybe you yourself, you know that the substance is not the issue. There's all these deeper issues that you need to talk about. And I think because when you're young, you kind of, I don't know, you don't have a, you don't censor yourself. I'm just saying whatever, everything that people probably want to say, but can't. (laughs) And that helped me. And that's why I've just continued speaking like that. Because I know the true connection is talking to the deepest, darkest parts of people that they are trying to hide, you know, and bringing that up and telling them it's okay. Learn from it and then use your story to share with other people, turn the mess into the message. I'm taking my 12 step debtor life at the lowest point of my life to share with other people to say, even when you're in a 12 step program, your voice still has value.
0: Mm.
1: So yes, that's how I got started.
0: (laughs) That is amazing. And the most unconventional way of getting experience in public speaking, but I've been in some of those rooms and to be able to share your story and let down the mask and really just, like, it is the purest form of owning your truth because there is no hierarchy in those rooms of any 12-step program. You could be a multimillionaire and you could be sitting next to someone who's, you know, in transition with their housing and they are talking the same thing.
1: Yes. How powerful. You notice that very quickly. Very quickly. It's like, you see people from the outside and you're like, oh, they've got it all together. Oh, no, they don't. No. Don't judge from the outside, we've all got similar struggles.
0: which is further evidence that none of us are all that different. No. None of no. us are unique in the struggles that we have and and the hurdles we think we're facing and the way that we justify. well, it was easier for them than it was for me. and then there's they're so much further along than I all these lies that you make up to, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say it to just stay small.
1: it's true. It's very true. It doesn't matter um, I know millionaires that are just as insecure as somebody working at McDonald's. You know, um, I think and it's a false belief mm-hmm. that if you make it to a certain level in life as far as status, you will have to have everything figured out. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized is that you won't have there's you you will still be figuring things out till you're in the grave.
0: So the quicker you get get with that, <laughs> the less resistance you'll be having. Yes. We're all still accepted. figuring it out. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But something, and I think this is a perfect way to close the conversation, because we, when we started talking before we hit record, we found out that there is a singular question that you and I get all the time with the people that we talk about and come into contact with, which speaks to what you're talking about. Just the, you could be a multimillionaire and be totally insecure or not be as further along in your whatever career and and have the same level of insecurity but the one question that Khalila and I get is how do you get confident?
1: yeah how do you get confident? where does
0: confidence come from? so what's your answer? my answer come my answer
1: this is my belief that confidence comes from accepting the things that greater society normally rejects So the examples that I talked about earlier are wearing a bikini when you're overweight, loving who you want to love, even though people will watch you as you're walking down the street and wearing your natural hair, even though it does not meet the traditional beauty standards. So being confident doesn't mean that you're doing what everybody else does and what a society accepts. It's about acknowledging and accepting those things that sometimes you have shame about things of the way that you were born. And it is what it is. This is the way God made you and this is your story. So embrace it and use it as a way to catapult you into you know, whatever venture you have in life. And what you'll find is that people will gravitate towards you more because you're being more authentic and confident.
0: Mm-hmm. Khalila, it has been such a joy to record this episode with you. I love getting to know you. I think you are just such a touch point in helping women embrace their imperfect selves. I I literally cackled out loud. I saw you post like a video recently on social media where you took a swig of like some kind of like drink and it spilled all over your shirt and you just giggled and were like, well, there it goes. And I said, hey,
1: well, this is perfect because my life is about turning your mess into
0: the message and i'm just covered in i'm a mess (laughs) literally but i think you know you are you are someone who allows other people to you give people permission to embrace their mess and i love that about you and i'm so excited to see where your public speaking work as a coach and as your experience as a certified life coach is gonna take you. I can't wait to see you on more stages, share stages with you. I cannot wait. So, well, I always close every episode with the same question. Call it my Brene Brown moment. Um, What does embracing enough mean to you?
1: Embracing enough means to me that even though things don't work out as planned i'm still enough even if i fall flat on my face i am still enough even if i say something that i regret later i am still enough that's what enough means to me
0: i love it Khalila hudson Owner of K HUD Coaching cannot wait. So, how can people find you?
1: People can find me at www.kheadcoaching.com. You can also find me at K Coaching on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. I currently have a workshop to tell your story from an authentic place on December 3rd. It's a three hour workshop. We are coming from telling stories true life story. so you no longer have to be hampered by perfectionism because i know that that's not where you want to be you want to be authentic you want to be able to reach out to people and so for others to see exactly who you are and so yeah come on december 3rd to our to my workshop you can find it on any of my social media pages or on my website
0: cannot wait so excited i love you girl love you too i'm right Hey friend, thanks for listening. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there. So the fact that you check in with this conversation means the absolute world to me. So I hope that you will join us each week, every Thursday when a new episode drops. Because really, we're just here having a conversation, looking for new ways to test out how to show up as our confident, badass selves. Because when you think about it, It's all one big experiment, right? Your life can be the lab. You get to find your answer in what feels good for you. If you walk away from this podcast with one thing, let it be you feeling inspired. Inspired to take bold, empowered action on the things that really matter to you. So check the show notes and learn how you can stay more connected with all of the exciting things that Enough Labs is doing. And be sure to rate and review this podcast. You know, I live for feedback because this podcast is just one of the many experiments that I am having a blast trying out with. And I'm just here to continue to remind you every week to never stop embracing how enough you already are.